Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now, here's Pastor Rafael. Well, we really want to thank uh, for this, everyone's participation here on this special evening here on on the podcast this is technically not going to be a podcast but it's part of what the media ministries we have here at spirit watch and uh, we really want to uh, provide for people a platform and an ability to actually discuss the things that are on their minds and hearts especially when it comes to all things uh, uh regarding spiritual deception and abuse and and the recovery the long road recovery that people have to engage on that and Especially this evening, we're going to talk, uh, our episode, if you want to call it one, is going to be called Through the Xenoverse. And we're going to be talking about all things Xenos. And, uh, of course, I think uh, there's no agenda, there's no meeting, but uh, maybe each of you, for, for, the, for the offhand chance, uh, for those who who've just have never heard of Xenos, and maybe tuning in, maybe you can give a, a brief intro of who you are and, and what you're involved with. And, uh, in terms of Xenos, and, uh, and and Vicky, I'm gonna start with you. Can you tell us what Xenos is? I mean, can you, can you give us just a quick interview, a quick introduction of what that is? And- uh, well, I, it calls itself a church. I would argue against that. I would say that at best, it's a church organization. At best. Uh, I would say that with the way that they manage and the of uh, uh, lack of care, shall I say, that they demonstrate towards um, and the high authoritarian control that I would call it a cult. Okay. It's been around since uh, the early 70s and um, hasn't changed much. Well, it, it has since I left in 93. It's gotten worse, which mm. is what you'd expect of something that's not led by God but rather by man and by a narcissist in particular. Um, so that's what Xenos is in my definition. Okay. And what was your involvement with it? Uh, I was a leader and I was a key teacher. Uh, I taught theology classes and I taught CTs. Okay. CTs being? Essential teachings. These were the large teachings at that time there were about people that attended a ct and i want to qualify i taught when gary needed me uh so that would mean i ended up teaching maybe six times a year uh maybe more but you know i I wasn't on i I wasn't teaching every week i don't want to give that impression Because Xenos being that having a sort of a structure that has, it's basically top down and all authority, all teaching, all direction comes from the top down and it's, and it's all, uh, you know, basically disseminated 
through what's called central teachings, which are the, the you know the, the chief times of 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 teaching and sharing and fellowship and shall I say indoctrination that yeah. uh, that that they would have. So, Jessica, can you well, let's let's hear you? Uh, well, uh, how, how it's good to see you this evening, and maybe you can share about yourself. We'll, we'll just go around the circle there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I'm Jessica McNulty. Um, I grew up in the church. Um, church. Um, the last time I was in the building was about 2008. Um, and I was a student leader uh, as a student. So I okay. helped in middle school groups as a high school student, and I taught central teachings and in the high school level and the middle school mm-hmm. level. Um, so, right. Yeah. Right. Katie? You guys, Katie? So, sorry. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I had myself on mute. Um, yeah, okay. so I'm Katie, Katie Reinecker. Um, I didn't grow up in the church, but I, I started going with um, friends of mine from middle school. In fact, uh, Jesse McNulty here is one of my good girlfriends from middle school, and we attended with one of our other friends um, from middle school onward and and sort of a a small group for girls at the time and then transitioned in the high school when things became a lot more serious. Um, I moved into a ministry house with the church when I was in college and I left um, after the, at the end of my freshman year uh, because of the immense amount of pressure that I was put under um, in the house, I, I found it sort of impossible to to meet the demands that I was under. And and when I left, I was um, ostracized and and shunned uh, from that group. And so that would have been um, 2006 was the last time I attended Xenos. Okay. And Oliver, uh, it's good to see you come on board, dude. After a, a podcast we have with you, we had a couple of podcasts. It's been it's always been. Always been uh, most instructional, but uh, maybe you can share a little bit about yourself. And, and for those, again, where we're just this is for the behalf of those who may have never heard of Xenos. So, sure. Um, my name is Oliver Long. I was a uh, college home church leader. I was a house leader, uh, one of the uh, guys ministry houses, um, cell group leader, and uh, taught. Um, and helped lead a, uh, a high school group as well. So college, high school. Um, I started coming around when I was 16. I think I moved into a ministry house when I was 17. And I was there for a couple of years, left because of some like mental issues, started going back again um, for a few years after that. And then I was finally done probably around 2008, I'd say. Okay. And that was done as in actually, you actually left at that point. Yeah, I was, I was out the door. I did not go back after that. Okay. Right. And Eric, once again, it's good to see you too. And uh, maybe you can share a little about what, 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 uh, what common uh, threads you have with these folks and where you've been. Okay. Thanks. Um, So I'm Eric Smith and I came to Xenos back around 1984 um, and uh, left somewhere after 2010, I believe. Um, so we're looking at about 25 years, maybe 30. Uh, so I was in it a long time. Um, started in Columbus, uh, was there for about three years. I 
got fully immersed in the system and the indoctrination, bought into it, um, and then was asked to go on a church plant um, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And so I did that uh, around 1987. It was in Cincinnati where I kind of rose up the ranks. I started as a small group leader, um, which we call cell groups, um, then a home church leader. And then ultimately, um, <clears throat> I was uh, an elder, which is basically the highest level you can achieve in the system. Um, and I was probably an elder for maybe 15 years or more, more or less. Um, and that involved um, teaching, like everyone said, teaching at every levels, uh, teaching uh, the weekly Sunday meetings almost every Sunday, um, just overseeing the church and uh, making big decisions with the other team of elders. So. And I'm Rafael Martinez, for what it's worth. Uh, I'm, uh, I've been, uh, uh, I, as, as they say in the South, I have no dog in this hunt. Okay, I, I'm not even trying to hunt anything. I'm just, um, I have never been in Xenos. I'll make it very clear. I've never wanted to be in Xenos. I, I'm a Christian minister. I've been uh, in the ministry since 1983. Uh, been licensed with the Church of God of Cleveland since 1991. But... Um, I've always had a concern for people who undergo spiritually uh, abusive and extreme things. Uh, that's all. I've always had a had a, just a great desire to see people who've uh, been affected by those things uh, to be to, to come alongside them, encourage them, and, and listen to them, and, and enable them to you know you know have hope, you know have hope to understand that what they were what they've been through was not normal, wasn't right, and that uh, and that there was life beyond. Uh, the 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 holes that they were left in uh, by their group. So, and each of you have have you know you've you've fought your ways through those those hours of crisis yourselves, and I and I just am so grateful. I'm I'm so thankful to have met you and to, uh, come to understand uh, just what Xenos is all about. Uh, I I I've often been a lot of the emails I've get. Uh, ever since I've really started focusing on Xenos in the past almost a year now, uh, I get a lot of email, email people, and most recently uh, in the in the uh, in the piece that Dennis McCallum put out on on my article I did on Xenos that uh, well you need to come and see what's going on for yourself, and I, I wonder about that. I said, you know, why 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 is it so necessary for me to take this next step and go in and sit with people only to only to be snowed only to, only to see only one only what they want me to see you know and and that's that's the problem i have with taking the kind of approach you know there's thousands upon thousands of people that have been in and out of xenos uh who have completely different stories and you folks are the ones who have been on our podcast on uh, our, our where are we going podcast on on the rss.com website and, and you have told your stories you know you've shared with me and, and each and every one of you you know uh, i'm just i'm just a, i'm just wondering why i need to, dis, to disbelieve you why you are just to be viewed as disgruntled people why you're just viewed as troublemakers as people who couldn't spiritually hack it um why, why why is it so why is it somehow questionable for me to believe 
what I'm being told by people. I mean, we got involved as a result of a documentary that we that was still uh, still still forthcoming about Xenos, and we got to meet a lot of people. Uh, in, in one week's time, we met probably uh, 15 or 20 people who were all at different walks of life, and, and they all had were from all different places both men and women married and single gay and straight and they all told the same story the exact same story the stories you guys were told about about uh, coming against a religious system that breaks people that views people as things that takes uh the bible and turns it into this this incredible uh sledgehammer to use across people's heads and and, and 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 that but at the same time look as pure as it can and and i'm, I'm asked i'm i'm been told that by these people email i you know you can't believe these people you, you need to come see you need to come see what what's going on here at xenos you shouldn't be you shouldn't be demeaning them uh by by just listening to these disgruntled people's life what what would be your response to that why, why should anyone have to go to see the real thing why well, first of all, the reason you can't trust us is because we're all in rebellion against God. Uh, we're evil. Um, we have uh, plans to bomb their buildings and things like that. I, I'm joking, totally joking, in case somebody wants to quote right. me out of context. Um, but uh, the communique that they have, uh, it's it's the same thing. Um, and I used to do it myself. Anytime somebody leaves the church, um, there's something wrong with them. Um, they may be leaving because they decided they wanted to go to church that they feel has more worship. If that mm. were the case, there was still something wrong. Right. Uh, they may get, they may leave because they've stopped um, believing what Xenos believes. Um, in the vast majority of the cases, they're leaving because they've been hurt and they're met with um, resistance and um resolving those hurts and those uh abuses uh and so they just keep saying the same thing over and over i guess to convince those in the uh fold that you know there's few of us out there and we're all yeah. out to get them and it's self-interested and um at a front against god so yeah and and that's what and that's the typical modus operandi if you repeat uh something long enough people could assume it's right especially if you're repeating around people who are already predisposed to believe what you say anyway right mm -hmm. i mean that's that, that, that's what's going on i was just gonna say like what's weird is like i didn't say anything for i don't know 15 years after i left like anything at all um i had family members who kind of went down their own path with, with Xenos. Um, my parents stopped going, I don't know, maybe four years after I stopped going. Um, my sister and her husband stopped going probably around that same time. Uh, my younger sister stopped going maybe 10 years later. And there was no animosity from me to them or vice versa, you know, for 
you know, there was, there was, I had no ax to grind, no agenda with them. I wasn't trying to like, you know, uh, affect their ministry or whatever. Um, so it's weird to say that like we're disgruntled, um, angry, you know, grumpy, like evil, sinful, whatever, because yeah, like it was 15, you know, 15 years that I guess I held, held my tongue on that. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. You would think that the division would start right after somebody left, but I think in most of our cases, it's taken years and years and years for us to move in our own ways through like whatever the seasons of grief are with, you know, broken dream, shattered promises, destroyed relationships, um, you know, lost faith, you know, all of those type of things. Um, so I don't think that the anger argument sticks that much. Anger is very hard to keep going for 15 years. Um, it's usually something that would pop up right away and then slowly wither and die, you know, cause it's hard to keep those flames stoked. Now I think this is, you know, something a little bit more than that, that as we've, as people have matured, as they've learned, and as I think as they've looked back, they've, that's what sparked the anger when maybe before it was just, you know, shame. I mean, I, I felt shame for years, um, embarrassment, uh, felt like I had failed, you know, as, as a leader felt like I had failed the people I loved. Um, yeah. You know, those were all things that I felt, um, anger, disgruntlement, desire to create division was not, was not up there. So I don't know. It's only been recent that anger has surfaced as I've looked back and I've seen some of the stuff that happened or heard about it again or remembered it again, you know, and I don't want to say like it was like a traumatic experience and that's why I blocked it. Um, But there was a lot of things that I forgot that happened that it's only been recently through talking with people and stuff that I've remembered. I've been like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> you know? So yeah. um, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, kind of with Eric, like I don't, I understand that the label and I understand the need to label us as a few angry dissenting coordinated and, you know, people who have a lot of animosity, but, it's not it's not the case would have happened a lot quicker with with us leaving wouldn't have taken so long to get to this place i think right Right. yeah i mean i I don't know i i think it's just a classic us versus them mentality um and it comes from a very painful place right i mean I, i think you guys feel similarly and a lot of the people talk to you Raphael, like the experiences that I had in this group as a young person were extremely traumatic and have affected my life up until the present day. And I think those within the church, you know, they desperately and honestly believe that they've devoted their lives to something good and to God. And so they have to explain it somehow to themselves. Mm -hmm. They have to figure out how could 
they have thought that what they did to us was biblical and loving, how, how could they do that and then have these experiences be traumatic, right? And so they explain it to themselves as, you know, these people are in rebellion against God. They don't want to follow God or they just, they don't quite understand. I mean, that's one of the big ones too. It's you're blinded by your postmodern worldview and you couldn't possibly understand, you know, what the Bible really says about these things. And you you can't see the clarity of, of that truth, right? Um, there's so many different explanations that they've trotted out to cover up what is really obvious and straightforward. This stuff was messed up and it was traumatic and they shouldn't be doing it to people. Mm-hmm. It's very obvious. Um, and all of this, this bluster and defense and come see for yourself and all of that. I mean, they know it internally because these are good people with consciences, these mm-hmm. the people who go to this church and they hear yeah. these stories of pain that most people kept to themselves for decades um, because of fear and shame and isolation. And now when people speak up, someone has to explain to them, what are all these people going on about, right? (laughs) And it comes with a variety of explanations. I think that people are increasingly seeing don't hold much water, right? And and it's just starting. I I think we've, I think, I mean, well, I can't say we've just started. It's been beginning progressively greater and greater. I mean, there was a lot going on before I ever got to this, got to this arena. And I, I know that you guys have, have been holding far. I mean, Katie, you, you started your own website, which I'm sorry, I'm having a senior moment. What is the website, your website's URL again? Well, it, it's kind of a funny story too, because, okay, so the website URL is Dwell Church Columbus is a cult dot com, which is kind of a mouthful. And the reason it's a mouthful is when I went to buy the domain name for Dwell CC as a cult, the church had already bought up those domain names before they changed their name. So, I mean, that should give you a little bit of a flavor of, you know, what we're dealing with here. So, and maybe if I was more creative, I would have come up with something better, but that's what it is. Dwell Church Columbus is a cult.com. I think um, that in my case, I knew that I had to forgive, right? Um, that I because I had to give make room for God to have vengeance. Um, so I, I shut up. I didn't speak up for almost thirty years. I, it'll be thirty years in twenty twenty three. Wow. And um, and it took me decades to do that forgiving, and it was repetitive. As, as each memory came up, you know, as I'm sure it is and has been for all of you guys. So um, that's why I didn't speak up. I think as, at the top level, they don't know how to, they don't understand trauma. I, they, they are not traumatized. They do not go through what they put other people through. The fracturing of relationships by splitting up ministry houses, uh, by splitting up churches, um, you know, the, the discipline, for heaven's sakes, um, you know, we don't have to trot it all out again, but Dennis McKellen has been so deserving over the years of the most extreme discipline 
that he has ever meted out to anyone else. Yet he has not undergone it. So he has no idea what it's like to have an entire church yeah. stare yeah. at him and confront him. And I think that's true for all the elders. Now, of course, maybe the other elders um, uh, lead um, lives that are um, pure. I, I, I don't know. I certainly, in, in Gary's case, he was Dennis's foil, but he could have been disciplined because he knew things and he covered them up. Yeah. And he didn't exactly. do that. And he didn't do it twice. This was right. over years over all the years that I was there. And so, you know, they have no comprehension. What's trauma, what kind of trauma have these guys gone through? You know, mm -hmm. um, so there's that. But you know, Raphael, I think in some ways you're asking the wrong question. Uh, or- Fair, that's a fair observation. It yeah. is, why should you go to Xenos and experience Xenos? Why can't the elders come to us? That's the biblical model. Mm -hmm. That the servants, the leaders, are the servants. Yeah. They should be the greatest servants of all. Yeah. And so if there are all these people who have been, who, who are saying that they're traumatized, who ha are, are giving stories that are so similar. I listened to a podcast last night where a girl broke down in tears in the middle of it, sharing just one, one of the traumatic experiences she went through at Xenos. Um, and I think, no, why, why, if they were spiritually mature, they would be coming to us. So why, aren't, why aren't they? Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that because there's so many passages about how, you know, the mature are supposed to act, even in the midst of people that they consider fools, even in the midst of people that are foolish, right? There's, there's a sort of um, humility and there's a sort of compassion and empathy and um, those are the things that are so non-existent yeah. in any of our dialogue. Uh, it's, I think it's, I think it's been the most, there's two things that have been the most telling for me. And one is listening to some of the clips that Jessica has continued to play where you go back and you listen to them and you're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, and then the second thing is just the way that people have chosen to interact with us. And there's been no humility, no yeah. empathy, no compassion, yeah. no manifestable fruits of the spirit, no attempt to reach out dialogue at all. I've, I've reached out to specific elders multiple times and I did them did that before I was on a podcast or did that before I was being interviewed for an article or anything and asked, please, you know, would you get some coffee with me? I think you need to hear some of some of this stuff, you know, and yeah. 
there's there's nothing and i think that to me is the most telling about the character of the people that are leading that group um and it's 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 frightening and it and it's sad like if you cannot listen to yeah. those who have you've wronged how how on earth can you can you grow like right. how can you lead and they, yeah, like, they put up the walls and harden their hearts and you yeah. know they're only going to continue to to walk down this path and it's 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 very right. sad but you know even if i was a fool there's still a way to treat a fool and there's still the shred that that fool might say something right 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 that that the wise could listen to but the sad truth is that they don't think that they've wronged you. Right. They think that they've acted in accordance with biblical truth and that we just can't comprehend or understand that. Right. And ultimately, the tragedy is that they, they believe right is wrong. Left is ro- left is oh. right. Black is white. I mean, it's, this is, this is perfectly uh, an or this is I've, I've called it Orwellian. It's like 1984 all over again. I mean, uh, George Orwell's book, where 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 you can in one minute believe one thing so strong, and then we flipped it in another to believe just the opposite was the absolute ultimate truth. That's what I've seen Xenos, and that's just that's what I immediately saw when I started getting involved. It blew me away. You know, like um, Oliver was saying, I um, I didn't begin speaking out um, until again probably seven to 10 years after I left. Um, and, uh, the impetus, uh, well, I began, the impetus for that was because of the, of the Cincinnati replant. And I started to think of the fact that they're targeting the youth again. Uh, I was targeted at 18 or 19. Jessica, you were raised in the church. Uh, Katie, you came as a young woman. Um, and I just began to feel deep concern and, and, uh, compassion and anger for what may happen to the, the these young people. And I thought I need to, I need to go back and refresh. Am I overreacting? And that's when I started to sit, you know, I joined the group um, and just started looking through all, and then it was before all the stuff started hitting the fan, like the NBC reports. And then it was just a landslide after that. And then the, the clips that uh, I don't know how Jessica does it, but she's, throwing these out there every day and I'm listening to them and I'm having that reaction like my god this is sick and disgusting and I've forgotten about it and we talk about them coming out to us in the in the 20 30 years I've been associated with Xenos I never remember them ever doing that and when you listen to these clips you listen to these responses to the articles um you can see one they're and I, I think I made this point somewhere where they're so all over the map. They're almost incoherent. They're responding to one thing here saying, Hey, it's okay. Truth isn't affected by whether the person, the person teaching it is righteous or not. That doesn't change the truth. On the other hand, don't listen to these people over here because they are, they're unrighteous uh, and it's contradictory. And, but there's also this theme where everything outside of Xenos, you need to be yes. afraid of. You need to be right. frightened of. So it's an at me nasty 
world out there. And um, I've just never known their culture to be one to the only time that it's like they they're they're huddled in a castle or some, you know, uh, fort and they, they go out and they make pot shots and they try to drag the wounded back in. But they stay right there in that in that fortress and they're what they teach just continues to seem more and more out of touch with the reality right. of the world. Uh, right. And it's almost as though those at the higher, at the highest positions are even afraid to engage the world. Yeah. They and they shouldn't. Be. Well, they have nothing to stand on. You know, what was to say it was in scripture, perfect love casts out all fear. Yeah. Okay. If there truly is love, divine love, Christian love radiating from these people, then there should be no fear. There should be no evasion. There should be no desire to turn people off and demonize them. There should just be a willingness to, to meet people where they are. And there's not. There isn't. No. And, and I want to read something real quickly here that, that, that I think I mean, uh, you, you, saw, you sent some great uh, quotes, Katie, in our, in our text before we got on here. But this is from a book called uh, My Father's Guru by Jeffrey Musayev Massan. He's a psychotherapist who wrote a, who wrote a, a basically a a, a, a a biography of what it meant to be to be grow up in a household where uh, his parents were basically underwriting and 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 subsidizing the career of a self-proclaimed mystic from the and uh, a Western mystic, a guy who went back to the East and felt he could come over and be the, uh, be some 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 uh, great teacher. He he, this is an incredible book and it's worth the finding. But but he wrote something about that he lived under that I think is really worth listening to. He says, to see deep into the structure of one tyranny is to understand something basic about all forms of oppression. It is totalitarian. Like other authoritarian systems, it requires a suspension and suppression of critical questioning. It demands unquestioning submission to a rigid hierarchical submission or structure. It centers on a cult of personality and it engenders personal intrusion and abuse. Mm. I mean, this, this was written about some, some self-proclaimed mystic. I mean, I'll show you the guy is uh, that's that that's the, uh, the, the picture of the gang here, but this is some nobody from the 1950s who vanished, made his claims, came on the scene, vanished again. But you could almost say that was written about someone like David McCallum just yesterday. Or Dennis McCallum, you could, you could almost say that 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 was written about him, because as I, and the entire system that he's created. Would, am, am I too far off the beaten path, or or what? I don't think you're too far off the beaten path, and it's very interesting that Dennis and Gary have never been under authority, and I don't mean just spiritual. Job, they needed to work, so they created a paint company, their own paint company, Christian Brothers. They were the bosses. They did the work. They have never had a boss in the real world. They have never been under any authority at all. Hmm. Wow. That's very interesting then that they're able to create then this totally authoritarian and it's evolved into probably totalitarian, like you're saying, um, structure and, and not uh, not you know, not understand that that everyone isn't accepting of this. Um, 
there is some way that through the structures themselves, also through um, their own intellects, the power of their intellects, they're able to make people want to belong and be accepted by them. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so that's when things start getting toxic. You know, because now people's desires and insecurities are starting to come into play. And you, that's when you can't think straight. You're not breathing clean air at that point. You're starting to breathe toxic fumes. And so, um, you know, it's the system, it's their personalities, it's their egos that, that just draw people in suck people in yeah you know and then spew them out i right. this xenos was the first place i really felt that i belonged you know i, I was mm. never a joiner ever in my life um and so it was the first group it was very interesting to me it was the first group that i felt like i belonged in that i had a place in now when it got down to the uh how can I put this? More intimate levels, like ministry houses, um, that was a little different um, because yeah, um, I, I almost got kicked out of ministry house. I, and the only reason I didn't was I beat them to the punch. I knew what they were doing. They were going to kick me out of this ministry house because they didn't think that I uh, was enough a part of the group. Yeah. I was in yeah. a home church from everybody else in the ministry group, thanks to the, the, the Xenos structure. But I knew when they were having this meeting, I knew what they were going to do. And I thought, nope, I'm going to beat them to the punch. And I did. I said, I'm moving out and whatever. And then I went on to, <laughs> this is sickening to say, but lead my own ministry houses. But, um, you know, whatever. They weren't the monster-sized ones that... Um, you guys have yeah. lived through fortunately but you know it's just it's it's a very strange combination of factors that creates xenos and and i can't emphasize enough the fact that the 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 founders were never under any authority anywhere anywhere yeah now how do you live he dennis is my age he's 70 years old how do you live 70 years and you're never under anyone's authority? How does this happen? You're not in the real world. Yeah. There's not, there's not that submission. No. You know, there's a, there's a, in, 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 in the, in the perfect world, in, in, in Christian community, the principle of mutual submission always applies. Yes. It's always been there. And unfortunately, and, 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 and to, to Oliver's point, you know, Jessica, you brought up some incredible, audio clips showing that very thing that they're that they, they not only live under no authority except their own and from that false authority they're able to go ahead and demonize and dismiss everyone's objections completely yeah i mean that's that's the thing we're hearing well look at the so i, I thought about this a lot like the um like the basis and authority i think is really really key that vicky's pointing out you know and i mean in my life i've learned more from 
being under authority and how to how to interact and how to um how to grow as a person especially bad authority right right? and if you're not under it at all you know not only do you not know what bad is you might not know what good is and i i think that that the um the the risk is to be too heavy-handed because you've never been the person who needed to submit you've never been the person who needed to um, be quiet and listen, right? You've never been the person that, um, at the end of the day, didn't have the choice, but had to accept the other person's choice, right? So when you're not in that position, I think it's, it's a lot easier to be heavy handed, to be rigid, to be unmoving, to have no ability to compromise or dialogue or uh, yeah, meet, meet somebody in the middle. And then the second thing I was going to say too is, so you've got that weird dynamic with authority, but you've also got, um, and it's cliche, you know, you talk about cults, you've always got that cult of personality, right? Around their central leader. But if you look at Dennis specifically, Dennis, um, his biggest area of influence has been always with young people, right? You know, because they look at the way he dresses, they look at, you know, oh, Dennis has a new diet today. Oh, Dennis is smoking a pipe. I'm going to grab a pipe. Oh, this is how Dennis is dressing. You know, this is how Dennis looks back his hair, right? This is the way that Dennis talks, right? The way that he emphasizes things, uh, the jokes that he says, how, you know, his use of inflection, right? Those are all things that people that he would do that people would then pick up and, and mimic. Right. And it's basically just reemphasizes that he's at the top of the hierarchy. Right. You know, um, what do they say? Of food chain. Yeah. When you're um, <laughs> really uh, imitating is the best form of flattery. Right. Um, but if you look at what Dennis has been doing over the past few years, it's not, only that he just dresses a certain way or acts a certain way or talks a certain way. Dennis is like picking up like new skills that nobody ever knew he had. Right. I mean, Jessica just uh, pointed out or, or brought a clip that Josh Benedum was saying that, you know, it, somebody spoke prophecy somebody spoke in tongues so it's like he has to continue to raise the bar on like listen to me because i am different than you i've been selected i'm standing apart and it's not that he's different because you know he's the cool older guy that you know is kind of a countercultural you know whatever you know, that we yeah. all no, he's he's different. Why is here today? <laughs> exactly. Like he's yeah. he's picking up these other things and it can continues to increase in like intensity, right? When I when I went to Xenos, we would teach that nobody's to speak in tongues, right? We'd kind of scoff at it, first of all, because we didn't like spiritual experience and we were very skeptical of you know, getting too emotional about our faith in the first place. That was part of the movement against music and everything else. But right. So in speaking in tongues was like, you know, nobody did it. And you were always taught if, if it happens, you got to have three people around that are interpreting it. 
otherwise keep your mouth shut and don't do it right it's to you know and the same thing with like prophecy as well like we are taught very specific things about prophecy but here you've got this guy that um is moving farther away from like just the eccentric in, in eccentric parts of his of who he is to kind of like adapt these other affirming things that are um i think ultimately more damaging because now not only are you following this guy because you, you know you think he's cool and you like look up to him right you know he's reading a you know whatever um but you're following him because he speaks then, right? for god he speaks for yeah. god yeah and he speaks a language that you don't understand Right. I mean, the stakes are higher now, and I think the stakes are higher because the old ways that he used to bring attention to him and hold things together, they're not working anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's got to pick up these new things that give him the authority. Right. right? It's not it's not that, you know, you're the old guy at TJ's who's buying everybody's coffee at three in the morning. And isn't that cool? You know, it's that, uh, you know you're the old guy who speaks fire from, from above, you know? So I I don't know. The stakes are higher. And I think it's because of a lack of control. And when you have people come out from these servant team meetings and talk about all the things that they experienced there, I can't, but help the think back to when I was a believer and we were told to be extremely critical and skeptical of that type of thing. And to always, go back to the truth or go back to the word and always validate things through scripture. And now you've got these young quote unquote leaders who are talking as if they're more, they're more into the emotion of what he's doing than the actual truth of what he's doing. So I think they've taken yeah. a, a little bit of a turn there. I think it's really yeah, it's a little ominous. <laughs> it's funny uh, you say that because because I want to read just another quick snippet from this from Mr. Massan's book. He says, to some extent, what my mystic offered is offered by every guru. The implicit promises he made are made by all gurus, spiritual, psychoanalytic, or otherwise. Uh, he offered wisdom, not knowledge. He offered divine love, not human regard. He offered visions, not insight. He offered Mm. access to secret forces, not mediation. He offered magic powers, not persuasion. Mystery, secrecy, obfuscation, and paranoia. Every guru claims to know something you cannot know by yourself or through ordinary channels. Yeah. Oh, is that true? And like I said, he's he's, he's trying to bottle lightning, the lightning of energy he can't capture anymore. And he's trying to somehow homogenize it and, and, and make it the new lifeblood for Xenos. And at the same time, he's enduring what he's he's seeing people are reviewing what he's doing, like 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 Jessica. I mean, you, you did an awesome job reviewing where he's been. Yeah. Sharing yeah. what he does, sharing what he stands for. And, he, and he's never changed from any of that. And yet he's trying to just rebuff his his image. Right. Am I am I again? Am I am I too rough on on, on poor old Dennis? Or am, I, or am I hitting the mark somewhere? World, Heck no, you're not being too rough. That's exactly. He's he's not used to. Thank God for the media, right? So that we've got the websites like 
this where mm -hmm. people who oppose him are actually uh, available to members of the church. Wow, he does not know how to handle this, I guarantee you. Yeah. And so he's got to find a way. And that whole thing of critiquing your letter, um, that was his typical MO of, uh, I've just lost everybody. I don't know if, what just happened, but um, that's his typical MO of shifting uh, the game so that he doesn't have to address the real issues. Uh, right. You know, yeah, he, he, he would do anything to keep his following and hold on to mystique. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's where we are. You know, I, I think, like you said, we, we've turned the corner uh, in the not too distant past. I mean, when, when Mark's website, xenosisacult.com came out, I think that really opened the floodgates. And we've just, I'm just doing all I can to, you know, kind of, Run, run interference for him, but but then you know, Katie, you started it, and then we've had, uh, we had we just recently had um, our, our discussion with um, with uh, with with a, the uh, the, the leaving the well, Gary. G yeah, I'm. I'm again. It's been a long day. I haven't seen your moment again. Yeah. So, uh, but there's all kinds of things going on that the temperature is rising. It's not going down anymore. I mean, back in the 1980s. Um, uh, he could say he could sit there and crow about how he successfully managed uh, the collusion that he had with uh, the people who were investigating him from the Cult Awareness Network. He could dismiss it as as as, as easily as he has, uh, but but that but it's that's not certainly the way uh, it really was. And uh, now and then, of course, when they walked away and when it got quiet again, he'd go back and do what he did. And continued to consolidate his position and his authority, but mm -hmm. uh, the, just in the last couple of years, uh, he's finding out the hard way that that's this is the new normal for him. There was COVID, and now there's there's this. Uh, this is the new normal. Uh, we're not going back, and uh, and 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 he needs to be called to accountability for what he, for, for what for what uh, for what he's done and what he's doing. Well, yeah. and and I think the more that. Um, just as we are listening to these teachings, these really defensive, critical, you know, kind of like, the, you know, the, the deflection narrative, the more that, you know, we listen to them from the outside, the more people who are in Xenos are, are sitting there and thinking, you know, kind of like what Katie was talking about, like, you know, what weird, um, story are you guys going to trot out for me now right that's not going to hold water um <laughs> i guarantee you they're sitting there thinking that you know because they like what eric was saying you know like they just taught on um you know don't don't necessarily worry about the character of this person as long as they teach truth right now i feel like that begs questions about you know what the character of the people that are quote unquote speaking truth are but once you get past that kind of irony, you think like, okay, but you guys are telling us not to listen to people because yeah. of their character and we're not to listen to their words and we're not to take the accusations that we're, they're saying, mm -hmm. right? The, these specific unambiguous um, 
hurts that have occurred, right? That can be validated, that can be collaborated. We're not to listen to those because of their character, right? So which way do you want it? And I think the people, I think they're sitting there and they're seeing the um, uh, cult of personality come out. They're seeing that this leader, um, this leader wants to protect people and put, put police on every corner of their, their campus, right? This leader wants to just revel in the fact of how great they are, right? This leader is going to, you know, kind of go after the personality or character of the people that, that are criticizing, right? So they, they see those things start to come out more and more. And I think my hope is that they sit there in the way, same way that we can kind of be critical and say, okay, this is an inconsistency. This isn't how a godly person ought to respond. This isn't, um, this doesn't hold water to what I know and what I've experienced, you know? And and in some cases, this is an outright lie. They they know that it's not a dozen angry people that Carrie, Mark, and Gail have brought together. They know that. They're lying. Everybody knows that. And the more they talk about that, the more it will become apparent, you know, to, to people. I, I, I really do think so. Um, so the heat's on. And I mean, Dennis can hide behind the fact that now he's a prophet speaking in tongues, you know, to give him all the authority he needs. But, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, resorting to spiritual experience doesn't necessarily... Uh, uh, counteract the just the, the little bits of truth here and there that kind of that that we're, yeah. we're speaking yeah. So. yeah not to mention yeah. it, i think the prophets cared about the the poor the downtrodden and the abused <laughs> i've yet to see genesis prophecy directed at any of that yeah exactly <laughs> yeah what was the prophecy right right anytime you dabble with the ecstatic or the subjective or the experiential. I mean, you're, you're gonna get you're gonna get an audience. You're gonna get attention. And uh, I'm a Pentecostal minister. I understand that. I've seen that all my life. As a, and uh, one of the things that we're often criticized for is is making experience and, and the subjective, uh, elevating it to a higher standard than 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 objective truth, than 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 scriptural scriptural mandate, and. Uh, that's that's been unfortunately a, a founded criticism amongst us. But at the same time, um, there is a foundation. There's a place that we have found. There's a balance between the two. Yeah. Uh, which which I'm not seeing here with Dennis. He's he he routinely dabbles in stuff as if he was you know back in 1969 dabbling with his magic mushrooms or or whatever else he did back then to to to, to get his highs and get his kicks. You know and you know. He, he just dabbles with things and and he, he looks dangerous he looks you know looks uh like i said like the like uh this this um disheveled um guy who is full of wisdom and he's not no. uh, he, he he's only he's only surprised he's only marshalling his flock and, and trying to deflect he's not even dangerous he is a fearful shame-based man and he's dangerous if you're sensitive, because I have seen him shame people in horrific ways. Um, so, you know, there's that. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, you know, as far as the, the gifts, you know, back when I was there, um, we believed that there was, that tongues were valid, that the speaking in tongues didn't cease with Pentecost. But I said, so do, does anybody know anyone who speaks in tongues? And Dennis said, no. I said, okay. Does anybody know anybody who does healings? No. And I believe, and at the time, and still believe that the Bible teaches that these are viable gifts uh, after Pentecost. These should be going on in the church, um, not up front, but balanced, like you're saying, Raphael. And, um, but they were always absent in Zenos. And I think the thing that bothered me with that was that there wasn't the introspection of, hmm, if the Bible teaches that these are still present realities and gifts, and the Holy Spirit is surely gifting people as they come to the Lord, why aren't we seeing it or hearing about it? Mm -hmm. But no, it was always, uh, you know, there was no introspection. Um, and they would just move on from yeah. questions like that. And they Has were there introspection in Xenos. Has what's there what's ever been introspection in Xenos? Oh, they say there has been, Katie, <laughs> but no, for a fact, there never has been introspection. Never. Oh, heavens no. Well, I, you know, and, and that's kind of, I was trying to make that point, I think, pretty poorly. What you were kind of saying, Vicki, is that, you know, maybe the um, they had a basis in theology for those things to exist, but they they didn't, um, they were very skeptical and scoff, scoffed at that sort of thing, at least when I, when I was around. And that's yeah. why it's so amazing to me to see them switch gears. And now it's an emphasis at a servant team retreat that, that this occurred or whatever. Um, Hmm. Well, it's, yeah, like, it's just yeah. it, it's just interesting to, to me because it was definitely we didn't need to emphasize this type of things because we stood on the word and, you know, you know, now now you've got um, it's it's just ironic after all these years that those gifts would manifest themselves in, in that person when they and, aren't in his church at all. And yeah. and wasn't a big factor of the major schism that was in Xenos back in the 1990s. It wasn't a major factor uh, that their public rejection of the so-called Toronto blessing, which emphasizes these very things. They rejected it and they lost a whole bunch of people. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you think maybe they're rethinking things? Maybe, maybe there might be something to all this? <laughs> I, don't uh, I don't think they'd go back in time and think things. I think it would be more like... No, I just like Right. There's an, there's an introspection. So I think it would be more along the lines of what Oliver's saying. Uh, or or the fact that maybe, just maybe, they really are realizing we are in the last of the last days. And what does Joel say about the last of the last days? Well, mm -hmm. we're going to dream dreams. You're young men, you know, and there'll be prophecy and blah, blah, blah. So maybe, you know, they feel the need then to come up with... <laughs> 
to be relevant to the yeah. last of the last days. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I have been in CNAS for almost 30 years, so I, I can't. And all, all I can tell from hearing these podcasts that grieve my soul is that the control has gotten so much worse yeah. uh, because of the use of computers now much more so. I mean, we had computers in 93, but we didn't use them the way they do now to keep track of people and, and all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what to say, but I, I, there's never been. The only introspection that I ever saw a hint of was, um, let me think of his name, Steve Cardosa. I believe it was Steve who said, that Gary had gone to a conference and come back persuaded that we needed to just ditch this emphasis on numbers and focus on worshiping the Lord, worship and Bible study. And, and part of the worship was having people with, with gifts of music, uh, artistic gifts, poets who would... Um, you know, start off meetings with their music, with their poetry, uh, whatever. I don't know if they had danced. I don't know if they had the, the you know, the performing. Or I don't know anything about it, but I know that he he believed that there was worship with people exercising their gifts and then Bible study. But he had to repent of it. Dennis, Dennis, you know, and people were flocking. To, to over there to to whatever night it was tuesday night is that what gary's on now um you know and why dennis couldn't his ego couldn't allow him to have a different xenos experience you know for the, for the people who want just intellect they could stay with dennis for the people who want a full a more full-orbed experience that doesn't yeah emotions which are yeah. part of our makeup as we're made in the image of god then they can go to gary but no yeah no it's a black and white threatened had to had to make gary you know gary had mm -hmm. to him yeah do, do you really think that in light of this apparently very mechanical way and Xenos seems to introduce things into its culture that as a result of, 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 of this almost happenstance ad hoc kind of approach to programming and, 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 and everything like that in them trying in them trying to pump more blood into, into their system, they're grabbing whatever they can that might fit. Um, do you think that, 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 that certainly plays directly into what we've been talking about in the podcasts about the oral culture of Xenos. See, Xenos really doesn't, I mean, for a people that are supposedly so biblical and so together and so close and so intimate and so spiritually together, uh, they all, they treat each other pretty badly. Everybody's treated really awfully there. That's because they that's because they equate spirituality to intellectual knowledge to teaching ability. That's what they glorify, right? And that's right. what they hold up as as true spirituality. They don't hold up service or empathy or love or care or understanding or introspection. They hold up the things that 
that the leaders that 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 Dennis made a church that looks like him. Yeah, you know, exactly. and and you see that everywhere replicated in the trauma that people have experienced. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think I think beyond uh, just the emphasis on the intellectual, the theological, all that. There's also just the, um, you know, there, the whole machine is run by the whole idea of replication, and replication is really it. It's a destroyer of relationships when your whole uh, system is run by, okay, I've won you. And I was thinking about this, how when I first heard the grace message and I was under a lot of guilt, how wonderful that was. It lasted for a while, but then once you got over that, then it was, okay, now can you go out and do mm. what we just did with you and win somebody? And the pressure was automatically on. And from that point on, you are evaluated based on, one, your intellect, like Katie said, two, your ability to produce and uh, create that that pyramid. And if you can perpetuate that, it's, it's okay. If not, you know, we don't you know, we don't have much use for you. But even if you are perpetuating it, and I've said this time and time again, that means every so often you've got to split off from somebody you've invested in and developed a relationship with for years. And now it's like, well, goodbye. You're going to church. I'm going to mine. And theoretically we could maintain a friendship, but we're just too busy with yeah. the scheme. And after you do that, how many times can you replicate, build into people and then say goodbye to them and do it all over again when you just lose all empathy, you lose, you become callous because I can't get close to this person. It's going to hurt too bad. I remember the, the, you know, the first times this happened to me where I had to rip myself from my relationships. It hurt. Again, you just, you develop a callousness because you know, it's coming. And if you're not succeeding, it's coming too. Cause they'll break yeah. you up. Yeah. Cause there's something just well, wants to destroy. Power. It's to destroy any sort of like stability. It, or individuality, really uh, absolutely. Humanity. You, know, you live in a ministry house Humanity, where yes. you own nothing, right? Yes. Down to your clothes. People are going to borrow your clothes. They're going to eat your food. Um, you're not going to have any furniture. Everything's donated, right? There's no sense of like uh, individuality. It's not like you're going to go into a ministry house and you know decorate your room. You share the room with four other people, right? You know, you've got a you know, a section of that, right? So there's no, there really isn't any individuality or self-expression. And then when the second thing people rely on is like, okay, you know, do I have, if I don't have stability in knowing who I am by how I conduct myself like in this world, right? I know myself through, you know, the relationships I have, right? So people develop that, you know, their groups. And then like you're saying, Eric, that's what's ripped out from under them every two years, every two years you lose that. And how, you know, how can you as a young leader stage a coup when you don't have more than two years to write, to, to influence people and to lead people and to, you know, you're done, you're starting all over. Right. So you can't build your influence. You can't build a counter movement within Xenos because you're starting again with the same, you know, with a different set of people, right? And, but juxtapose that with looking at people um, who are, quote, 
the rules don't apply to them. Like if you look at Holly McCallum, she still hangs out to this day with her group of women, right? Jen Ferguson, uh, Amanda Runk, you know, there's several others, right? That's the, that's her people. She's allowed to have that stability and that permanence and that sense of fellowship and community. Whereas it's removed from everybody else. You're to sacrifice, yeah. you're to start over, you're to, you know, dig in and give of yourself. And, and you're, you're going to be lonely because ultimately we're right. We're sojourners in a foreign land. This isn't our home. And, and, and we get that line again and again and again, but they're allowed to have that core. You're not. So you're always on an Island. You're always alone. And ultimately you're very susceptible there then to towing the line. Because, you know, right. If I, if I'm with somebody for 15 years and they're my best friend, they're not going to go wrap me out. If, if I'm saying like, Hey guys, I think we ought to have some poetry in this teaching or, Hey, I'm not going to spit this out verbatim from, you know, Dennis's Romans two archive, you know, they're not going to go and, 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 and say, well, hey, you know, Oliver's led by the spirit into this ministry and he's not necessarily emphasizing this ministry. Right. But if you don't have that group of trusted individuals around yourself, you know, you're, you're on an island. You better toe the line or, or somebody's going to hear that that you haven't or that you're yeah. not. And, yeah. you know, so they strip they strip the sense of. um they, they don't allow loyalty to grow amongst the people. They have a very strong group of loyal people at the top. Right? But, but I thought yeah. everybody, I thought everybody was supposed to be one anothering with each other. Yeah. What, what, what does that's that their, mean then? I mean, what, what, what is one anothering in Xenos then at that point? Well, it's their theology. You see, the, there's the theology, there's the practice, and there's the oral tradition. And what Oliver is describing, as you were describing this, and how could somebody even have, feel the power to get, go out on a limb and say these things? It made me think of the Rolling Stones song, Under My Thumb. You know, that's whether it was conscious or not. This is a way of keeping the, the average member under their thumb. You'll never get the power. You guys are going to be split up. You're never going to have relationships that last. That's the practice. Now, Mm -hmm. theology, if you were to ask them about it, Raphael, they say, oh, no. They they could quote scripture until, you know, they're blue. Of course they could. But (laughs) it's the practice. It's always the fruit. You know the tree by the fruit. And what is the fruit? Wrecked lives traumatized lives, powerless people who who dare not think out of the box, dare not have a creative thought. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't hear any new um, thought that perhaps the Holy Spirit put on someone's heart. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, there are the cliques among the leaders. And Holly, I remember from when I was in there, Holly, yeah, sure, she had her clique of girls. Just like Dennis had his clique of guys. Mm-hmm. Gary, not so much. Gary was always the odd one. Uh, he he was not, I cannot remember Gary 
ever being affected by trauma and being taken away from his friends. But I also don't remember him being cliquish. Yeah. Um, and there's cliques everywhere. It's human nature. When you got people together, they're gonna in the groups, there's gonna be closer relationships here or there. That's not a fault. That happens. It's not, it's not, but they they don't last in Xenos with the underlings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would agree wholeheartedly. Um that once you get to an upper level, you can have so you know, I don't know, like where Conrad and Ryan and so forth, they can probably maintain close relationships because they're leading together an entire church. But when you're not up at that level, your relationships are changing all the time, mm -hmm. and they'll say, "Yeah," and you you can apply the one and other passages to the person you're with right now. Well, then when you split up, just start applying them again to. But we also know with the one and other passages, the the teaching. Uh, that somebody put out there, maybe Jessica, where um, Dennis is talking about how you should have selective uh, encouragement, that you don't want to encourage somebody too much, you know, encourage them once and then let them do some good things and let them think that you're not going to encourage them and then hit them again. That's more effective, he says, than oh, it's scientifically geez. proven. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? I, I I encourage you this month, you know, so I'm going to wait and see what you do over the next three or four months. Exactly. Yeah, that sounds and you like know, if Dennis isn't, if he does encourage you, how good is that going to be? And then when he's not encouraging you, look out. Mm -hmm. He's probably what, practicing the admonish one another, uh, rebuke one another, those are one another passages. You know, I, I, I just want to break in real quickly. We did not agree upon a, a time to stop. We've been going about an hour and 15 minutes now. Like I said, I just maybe hold up another few more minutes, 15 minutes or so. Uh, but I'll leave it up to you. I mean, uh, 15 minutes, I, I appreciate you taking the time. But uh, but feel free. Keep keep, keep going on. I mean, uh, we I, I, we're, we got Google helping us here and their hard drives and so we're <laughs> – but I know you folks probably got things to do too. So uh. I did want to get back to the oral um, culture for a minute and then I'm going to shut up because I feel like I've been <laughs> I've, I've just been on a roll man there are things that have just really hit me but um, <laughs> that is how we're denied you see uh, we're, we're denied we, there is the theology there's the practical experience and then there's the oral culture so the, you know when it comes to us who claim to have been traumatized and so forth, they will dismiss us on the basis of our theology, uh, on their theology. Then they'll dismiss us on the basis of the experience of the majority of people in their eyes in Xenos. You know, the, the people anyway who will speak up and say, well, I haven't experienced that. I mean, who, who knows how many are secretly deeply affected by these podcasts. There could be many. Uh, but anyway, so practical experience, they dismiss us. And then the oral culture, the only way you can even be exposed to that is to, you'd have to hear it from people like us, or you'd have to be still with inside the church and, and rise up against it. 
like the podcast I listened to last night when this girl, at, Holly said to somebody, you're not thinking of living with that crazy girl, are you? What? This crazy girl. It's, she's not cool. Yeah. That's exact words. Oh, she's not cool anymore. She's not cool anymore. It's dismissive right. of, of, of who she was. Yes, totally dismissive. Yeah. And, you know, this is everywhere. It is rampant. And I, I, they would deny it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you and I know, Raphael, Dennis wanted me to call my own husband a liar um, about what he said about him. So they are pathological liars. They would lie and deny that culture. But that yeah. culture and the experiences of this group tell it all. Yeah. And, it's, and, it's, and we're referring to Carrie Puchovich, who was in our last in our podcast we just released. Uh, she, you know, she's the um, the CEO of leaning of leavingdwell.com. She's the one who experienced that tender mercy. Uh, yeah. um, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, somebody, Sarah. No, no that was uh, that was all I had disgusted with it. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly say that I agree with all of your comments, but it all centers around control. And they keep us siloed within the church, right? By splitting and, and you're so busy, you don't have time. And then when you leave, you're siloed. So like we all didn't speak out for many, many, many years, because I think in a lot of ways, we didn't realize how systemic it was. Mm -hmm. um, and when we see that, then we want, uh, well, people are leaving now that have the same story that I had, you know, 15 years ago, that's not okay. Um, but then, I mean, I, I listened to all of the servant team um, teachings and Conrad talks about um, how if you're feeling discouraged and you think that, the, that there's been rumors that the, that the church is being disciplined by God because of everything that's come up, um, but if you're feeling discouraged, is it because you're feeding your mind with another podcast, the newest news article, uh, or social media posts, or <laughs> should you be actually focusing on filling yourself with the word, the word of God, you should be studying the word of God. That's what you should be filling your brain up with. And that's the only way to avoid being in an echo chamber. And so to me, it's just a, another not so subtle, subtle way to try to control the narrative that they've completely lost control of, that they've controlled <laughs> up until now. And I, I just mm -hmm. found that really fascinating that there are people that are in, in the church that seem concerned about these reports and they're basically telling them to ignore them. I don't know. I mean, I know, uh, I know an ex not an ex elder. I don't know if they ever have ex elders, but I know a um, a person that used to be an elder who described them as um, heartbreaking, and I think that ought to be um, either we're all lying and we all have these weird agendas after all this time to come together. <laughs> and spend our Thursday nights talking about this stuff 
or, the, or there's real legitimate pain there and there's real legitimate wrongdoing there. And if you can't dismiss the person's uh, and say that the, you know, they lack veracity, right. And you have to at least um, interact with the content of what they're saying. These stories are devastating. They're heartbreaking. And I think a lot of people, you're going to have your callous. And unfortunately, a lot of the leadership in Xenos, and, and we've talked about this before, right? They're your strong, uh, unemotional go-getters, right? They're your type A people. They're not necessarily that introspective. They're uh, you know, not going to slow down and listen, Right. They're going to strong arm people to get them in the door and they're going to teach, yeah. you know, aggressively. And, you know, they, they're people that 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 are your, uh, you know, that's why they're selected to be leaders. Right. But that's not everybody. And there's people that the people that are introspective and who do slow down and who do listen. Um, it, it really is my hope that you know, they listen to enough stories that like I did, even being out of the fold, mm-hmm. I listened to, to my sister. I listened to her friends. And then I started to remember my own experiences that I had kind of clouded with personal shame, personal um, regret. Cause those, those, those were, those are the, I can remember Years after leaving, one Christmas Eve, I didn't have Facebook, and I got on um, my wife's Facebook and started to, like, go to these people's, you know, just to remember them. And, And I was so ashamed of myself um, for what I had thrown away, right? Those, those were the feelings that I consumed me it was never you know well this specific thing happened to this person no i was i was just concerned about what i did right what i did and what i needed to to feel like i needed to undo and make right um and and my failing and that sort of thing so those were the things that i was dealing with and i needed other people to start talking about things beyond just the emotion, right? That this happened. This is systemic. This occurs. This happened to me too. I was told this on this date by this person, you know, and then you start to get beyond, um, you know, and and I, I think a lot, I think I was probably way too hard on myself for, for far too long. Um, you know, but that's another story, yeah. but most I people think, are, yeah. you know, like um, once the specifics started to come out and once people's experiences started to come out and once I could no longer say, well, this is just a bitter person or this is just, you know, of course they failed there, right? The standards were too high or once I couldn't dismiss their stories then I could say, then I started to listen to them. And then I started to say, oh my gosh, I remember that happening to me. Or I remember doing that to someone else. Or I remember having the conversation with some somebody about something similar to this. And it, it, 
in the words of the, the ex-elder, um, I hope it is heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking for me to remember. I hope it's heartbreaking for them to to hear because, you know, for whatever reason, you know, you can push things aside, you know, like Katie's saying and have, you know, sooner or later you realize these don't necessarily hold as much water as I think. And you start looking a little deeper and I, and I'm really hoping that, you know, now that like Jessica is saying, now that they can't control the narrative, people do look a little bit deeper, start to speak yeah. their, their, their truth, start to tell their stories and start to realize that they aren't there because they're, they weren't, they didn't leave because they failed. Maybe, maybe there was something else going on there, right? Maybe they aren't the bottom line. Maybe they aren't solely responsible and they can look beyond that and say, okay, wait a second here. Yeah, I'll take my licks as, as an ex leader there, but you know, they, they can run, but they can't hide. Yeah. I mean, in the past they could, they could dismiss and brush off and deflect and and hope things would go away it's that's not happening anymore i mean and you know and we're hoping to continue these conversations we're hoping to continue to have them i just want to point out i mean based on what oliver said and what jesse said i mean you know oliver what you're describing i think all of us we're coming back to this after you know a decade or more being out of this church and what you're describing psychiatrists would readily recognize as the hallmarks of literally any type of abuse sexual physical spiritual that you walk away you feel so ashamed you don't even talk to other people about it like i i know even with jesse we were good friends and we didn't talk about the the things that we went through in the church or or exactly what happened to us or how we felt about it or what it meant. Um, That's what you see when people are physically or sexually abused, right? They take that on themselves in shame and they don't speak about it and they, they isolate themselves. And so, you know, I guess I use that then as a segue to go a step further and say, you know, one of the things that the church likes to say is that, oh, we're just close. We have close relationships. It's just broken people. And sometimes we hurt people's feelings and sometimes there's wounds there. And I would say, no, what you're hearing people talk about is a deep form of spiritual, psychological, emotional trauma like mm-hmm. we're not all sitting here talking. Vicky's not here after 30 years because she feels like spending her Thursday night this way. I mean, we have suffered a deep traumatic blow. And that's where I, I go back to mm-hmm. is the church introspective? Are the leaders empathetic? Do they understand this type of pain? And my guess is no, right? They can't even understand it when it comes to straightforward things like like treatment of depression or or suicidal ideation within the church, they certainly cannot understand the type of spiritual trauma that they're, they're, you know, wreaking havoc throughout this community. And I think that's, you know, everything you guys are saying is, is so indicative of that. We're not weird, angry, Mm -hmm. bitter people. And I don't really feel like being here. Otherwise, what I feel like doing is speaking out and on behalf of people who are too early in the trauma process to even talk about it 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been 16 years for me. I mean, and, and you guys are on a decade or more. And so it, it takes a long time to be able to come out of this and put yourself back together. It's, it's mm-hmm. fundamentally just destabilizing and traumatizing. Now, what you're saying, when you say stuff like that and they hear others say stuff like that, and this has been this way from the 80s on until now, you know, they're, they're, they're basically in the dark ages when it comes to understanding trauma, um, mental health issues. And part of that's because, um, you know, they attract a certain kind of uh, leadership that's kind of callous to that and so forth. And so I, I always find myself thinking and hearing all the stories. I know what they're, they're saying. These, these people are whiners. They're wimps. They can't tolerate, you know, spiritual warfare. And yet I hear so many people talking about it and I, I, I deny my own, you know, like, like you said, it took me, it's taken me almost a decade and now certain feel, and now and I'm trained in trauma. Um, and I still think, Oh God, if I admit this, I'm, I'm a wimp, I'm mm-hmm. weak because that's the culture. That's the prevailing culture. But when you do hear something like that teaching that Conrad talks about, you got to be in your Bibles and not listening to that podcast. It gives me a little hope that there's people out there that are hearing this and mm. aren't so oh, yeah. callous mm. and are saying, you know, maybe maybe it's okay for me to feel hurt by how I'm being treated. And, what, of course, their response is just get in your Bible. And if you get in your Bible and you ignore that, it'll go away. And that's not true. And they think that all solutions to every problem is intellectual. Yes. Um, and yet they don't trust that if, if you're training your people so well in the Bible, shouldn't they be able to hear a podcast and evaluate mm-hmm. that podcast with their exactly. own minds instead of having you interpret it for them? And right. that's what they're doing. Conrad's up there trying to interpret it for them. Those, those podcasts are of the devil. They're going to depress you. Don't listen to them. Listen to your mm-hmm. Bible and what we say. No, it, maybe if you listen to these, you'll find a common uh, ground and realize, wait a second, I am, I am being mistreated. And it's hard to see that when you're in the middle of it and you have mm-hmm. all this noise trying to prevent yeah. you from hearing what's being said. But I'm, right. I'm, I'm that, that teaching, while it made me angry, I thought some of them are listening. He's had to address it in a mm-hmm. teaching. They're listening. And the more pressure yeah. they put on it, the more forbidden it seems. And then what do yeah. you do when yes. it was with people who are curious uh, and you start telling yeah. them, don't listen to that? What do they do? The same thing yeah, my granddaughter my... would do when she when she sees the, the candy on the counter. They want to go handle it. Yeah. Want, my, uh, my sister, um, I talked to her a few years ago when Mark's website first came out. And she was still in the church and she read every, every single story, every single story. Wow. So, That's you know, and then had to, um, had to struggle through every single story, you know, in her, in her words. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've got a good friend who's still in the church and I know that he struggles through every single story. Um, Sooner or later, the um, you cannot 
it's like you're when you're there, you take the position of, I know there are some wrongs, but God has put me here and I'm going to use my influence for whatever way that I can for good. Right. So that's like, that's what I thought. That's what I know other people had thought, you know, Mm -hmm. sooner or later you realize maybe the way that God is calling on me to act, or maybe my purpose in being here is to leave, (laughs) you know, maybe that is what I've been called to do is, is walk out the door and be a voice to other people or a, you know, um, uh, a person that shines the way for other people to, to follow, you know, and it, like we've all talked about the control is so much because you don't, if you live in a ministry house, you're addicted to $200 rent. If you go to school where they tell you to go and you don't pursue a career and you don't get an internship and you have no experience that people want to hire and you work at a place that, you know, doesn't necessarily pay your bills. There's a certain way there's a certain position you find yourself in in life where you don't have the support structure you don't have the academic uh, or the experience work experience to fall back on you don't have the uh, amount of money in your bank account that you need to walk out the door like uh, you know that amount of control strips away everything it is about a person to the point where it seems almost impossible So my thought is with the people who listen to that and say, okay, well, God's put me here. Well, are are you strong enough to, to show people that they can, they can vote with their feet. They can walk, they can walk. And it doesn't mean failure as a Christian. It doesn't mean failure as a spouse or husband. It doesn't mean failure as a leader. It's, it's the culminate. It's the realization of those things in that calling that, that you can walk um, and, and stand stand up like that because the only thing Xenos has duplicated, you know, and they talk about like we won this amount of people or we brought about this amount of kids or whatever, right? Their church is still the same size, you know, as it was 25 years ago, right? The only thing that they have duplicated is the amount of misery and hurt and pain in the people that have left. And, uh, if you want to be used for God, and if that is your calling and that's your desire, you know, to be that city on a hill and that light to the world and the lost, you know, maybe there's a better place. Maybe there's a more, um, uh, a better fit for you and for, um, you know, hopefully the people that that you, you help walk as well. Because, you know, we're all living proof that it's very, very difficult um, to, to walk away. It's very difficult to walk away, but I think we're all living proof that it's possible that true healing can happen. And I think every single person, you know, on the podcast, et cetera, would say my life is better off for it. My relationships are real now. I have purpose. I've got an identity that stands apart from, who, what so-and-so thinks about me, right? You know, um, these things are, in Xenos, they would say, well, in the world, you have these crutches, right? 
well, my crutch hasn't ever broken under me, right? Well, your crutch is the church. Um, but I got to say that the other things that people put hope in, you know, a friend who's not going to desert them, that's that's possible outside of the church. It really is. A family, you know, that you can um, rely on. I got rebuked for spending too much time with my family. I didn't think I could have a relationship with my mom and dad and go to the functions that I needed to go to and then still go to the church. Right. So that was a sacrifice I was willing to make for the church. But, you know, I remember when Nate pulled me aside and and rebuked me strongly and said, in the end times, you know, as a son, this is, you know, your father, yada, yada, yada. Right. He took this passage out of context, but my point is, these things the that will be against the father. Yeah, yeah. These, these things that um, you're yeah. told you cannot rely on that you can't have. It's it's uh, yeah. it's a lot of BS. You you, you can, right? <laughs> yeah, basically yes, exactly. Yeah, I I think all we need to know is what Conrad said in that teaching about how the church is the their primary reason for existing is not to heal the wounded and to uh, be a refuge from the world. That that is a, to, to think that is, uh, distracts them from their true mission, which is to save souls. Um, he's, that's what he said. And I would just challenge anybody that is still in the church that is maybe listening to this, that I, I want to know, do you want to follow leaders and a church that will not prioritize kneeling with the wounded especially when the wounds are wounds that they caused yeah Mm -hmm. yes and not just that i mean jesus christ like you want to save souls part of that is dealing with the wounded Mm -hmm. like look at all of us like look at the stuff that jesse like we did when we were just kids for that church and bringing people out people we brought out who are still robust members of that church and it's like Think of the damage you do by destroying people, even for your own cause. It just doesn't mm-hmm. actually make any sense. It's a it's a it's a, a fig leaf to disguise their own moral failings and and the bankruptcy of of their theology. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Can't agree more than that. So uh, we can keep going, folks, but <laughs> we're right about, about an hour and a half. And I know, like I said. Um, Maybe I, I would love to have you all back again sometime, though. Uh, but do you want to keep going? I mean, it's up to you. I think uh, that was a good summary. That's a great summary for future discussion. Yeah, yeah it really mm-hmm. is. But, well, I want to, again, just thank you for coming on and, and sharing because I would love to have you all back. And, and we'll, we'll be a little more focused and maybe, maybe we'll arrive at a topic to talk about. But. But really, uh, your your voices need to be heard, and that's why we're doing this. Uh, people need to know that not all that glitters is gold in Columbus, Ohio, uh, at the Xenos slash Well Compound. Uh, it's not all, you know, hearts and flowers. Uh, there's some things going on there. There have been abuses going on there that have been going on for a long, long time, and and uh, the truth's coming out about them. And so be it. Uh, that's what needs to happen. If you're in Xenos, if you're in Dwell, if you're whatever you want to call it, if you're whether you, whether you've just signed a board, whether you're listening to a podcast for the first time, whether you're tuning in, 
or, or whether you've been there 30, 40, 50 years. Maybe you, maybe Dennis, you'll be listening. I'm, I'm sure you probably will. Um, you're hearing the voices of people who you've known, whom uh, you brought alongside, who believed in you, who mm-hmm. felt you had a vision and, and felt that you were, were bringing something that was good to the world. And, and, and they're coming and testifying as something entirely different is going on. You can't ignore it anymore. And, and and you can't ignore the fact that that this is that this that what this basically is is an organization beginning to crumble under the weight of its own of its own failings, and uh, we and, and we we want and we want I want to join with you in in, in what everyone's been saying. If you want to stay and fight to change the system, uh, you can, but you'll have an uphill battle, and uh, it may be just something you need to really think about reconsider your and get you had an alternative perspective on on the way things are there and we're hoping to give some thought anyway would everyone like to give a final thought around round robin real quick and we want to starting with whoever i just i appreciate you letting us have this time um i think that uh there's i mean we could have talked about this for the next week there's so many issues so i'm certainly open to periodically discussing various topics in the future right um because i I think we we bring a unique um insight in that we were all in leadership in the thick of things and um we're not crazy and angry and you know Mm -hmm. we have legitimate concerns we've not only been heard but uh we're, we're concerned about others so yeah right Katie, anything you'd like to say? Yeah, I mean, all I would say is like, look around, use your heart, use your conscience. This isn't what love looks like. People know it and you can see it no matter how strongly intellectual or rational or how many times people throw out relativism or postmodernism or whatever. Just look around. This is not what love looks like. And it's not how people yeah. treat one another who, who love each other. Right. Oliver? Yeah, just a second. What everybody's been saying. Um, there's the disconnect you feel like deep in your bones, right? I felt it when I was there as well. The... I teach these things about this group, but I don't experience them. That's very, very hard to get around. And as a teacher, as a leader, that's what I struggled with. But I also know that everybody who's I've talked to that's ended up leaving that wherever in whatever position they were in, in that group, they struggled with that as well. We teach grace. No. Do we feel it? Do we live it? We teach love. Do we see it? Does it manifest itself? We teach that, you know, purpose, identity. We teach security. Does anybody feel secure here? You know, Mm. do you feel secure? Um, We teach significance, eternal significance. Um, Do you know what you do matters or are you told it matters? You know, I mean, these things, the 
the um, things that you teach versus the things that you see. Those are the things you need to think about because you're going to yeah. say one thing, but you're going to see another, and that's got to be telling. And uh, hopefully, it weighs, and hopefully, it promotes a decision and 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 a turn. Vicki? No, I, I think of Second um, Peter 1, where Peter lists some qualifications, or actually it's, it's steps of building on your spiritual life, maturity, and so forth. And he says, if these things are yours and increasing, then you will not that you will not be unfruitful in the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I guess that's my question. Are you growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Can't do it without understanding grace. Can't do it without deepening love. Can't do it without loving your brother. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what hits me. That's the goal, isn't it? Growing in the true knowledge of Jesus. Right. Jessica? I think I would just direct a comment to people who have left or are um, on the verge of leaving that I want to really encourage you that there is healing um, and that there is happiness and fulfillment outside mm -hmm. of that um, subculture and that you are worthy and you are loved just as you are and that you are not some failure um, and to just keep going right right uh as they say uh be an original don't die a copy and that's what we were talking about since it replicates itself it makes you to something you are not something you were never meant to be and there and there is and as you've all shared there truly is life beyond this place once again thank you this evening everyone uh, for your conversation, most fruitful. And uh, we're just beginning to scratch the surface on this universe. So hopefully we'll have a chance to uh, get, to, get to do some more of these later. But thank you once again. Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night, or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you.